Welcome to the Work Matters Podcast. In each episode, talking with thought leaders and executives, PurposeWorks founder Thomas Bertels explores what it takes to make work more productive, valuable, impactful, and meaningful. Let's begin the conversation. Our guest today is Rachel Focardi. Rachel, you're arguably the expert on generational diversity and the multi-generational workforce. Uh, you wrote a best-selling book, worked with many of the leading companies on the topic, you're a thought-after speaker. Rachel, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Thomas, for having me. It's a pleasure. We want to talk about the multi-generational workforce, and you know, there's a lot being written about, right? The latest generation, Gen Z, entering the workforce, everything is different. For them, but in your book, you take us beyond this narrow focus on a single generation, and you're really talking about both, I think, the challenges to make different generations work together effectively, but also the opportunities. How did you get interested in this topic? Well, you know, it's really interesting. I think, you know, in life, something that I've learned is that everything that, you know, becomes a burning passion is seeded somewhere at some point. For me, I guess it was after I graduated. Um, I was a student of journalism in the United States. And I decided after I decided after graduating to move back to Italy. And um, I didn't really have the support of my father in that decision. So I found myself kind of having to figure out how to enter the world of work alone. And uh, I started working for an advertising agency, one of the biggest ones in the world, as a matter of fact. And I think that is where I discovered for the first time the dreadful working conditions that a lot of people, my generation, Gen X, uh, at the time had to endure sheerly based on the fact that, you know, we were young and we were rookies. And the perception back then was that young people had nothing really interesting to say, that young people had absolutely nothing worth contributing to. And so here I was, you know, this, uh, you know, young woman full of ambition after a great, you know, uh, educational career in the United States, wanting to make my mark, wanting to learn and finding myself instead having to do menial tasks like making coffee or photocopies and things like that. And, uh, and I remember that I was mesmerized by this idea that I wasn't worth anything. So at one point, I remember I reached out to my boss and I said, you know, I would really like to learn something. Can I please make myself very small in a corner? I want to be part of a meeting between the internal uh, client team and the creative team just to find out what kind of things happen, what kind of conversations you guys are having. And, uh, and I ended up being called by HR. Uh, and I was told that that behavior was unacceptable. I was told that that kind of ambition and uh, desire to move ahead was never going to be rewarded. And that uh, if I was ever going to do anything other than stay in my place, I would, uh, you know, I would have to face serious consequences. And so that was that. And that is the day that I realized that uh, there was something missing uh, in the world of work. So in your view, what do you see as the challenges to really create such an effective multi-generational workplace, not just something that works for Gen Z, right, but really works for, for all the different generations. I started working in this generational space, you know, in the mid-2000s uh, because uh, millennials entered the workforce and started demanding something different. You know, they started demanding flexibility. They started demanding to be valued for their diversity. They started demanding training and development and friendly bosses that would coach them. And, you know, because companies were struggling to win this war for talent, 
they rushed to transform their working environments to adapt to the need of this new generation. And that's when we saw, you know, the first big, incredible employer brand campaigns. You know, all of a sudden, your HP, be yourself, be an inventor, come work for us, not because we have the strongest product necessarily, but because we are going to be the best place for you to start a career. And that was great. I mean, obviously, if we look at the workplace today, it's much better than it was 15, 20 years ago. But what happened and what led to a lot of challenges and intergenerational conflicts is the fact that organizations failed to do one thing, which was critical in my opinion. They failed to explain to the existing workforce, you know, my generation, Gen X, the baby boomers, the traditionalists that were in the workplace at the time, why this generation was coming in with so many demands and why those demands should be met and why the company was transforming to meet those demands. But they also failed to explain to millennials what the reality was of all those generations that preceded them and the fact that entering the workforce they would encounter you know colleagues who came from very different backgrounds you know who had very different experiences in the workplace as opposed to the experience that millennials would be having coming in and so what happened is to a certain extent you know the older generations had this feeling that millennials were kind of shoved down their throats you know all of a sudden I need to change the way that I lead. I need to become, you know, all these great things that I never had from my manager. You know, I need to be flexible. I need to share feedback and, and so on and so forth. And unfortunately, this created a rift um, within pretty much every working environment that, in my opinion, completely stalled innovation. Um, and, and now with Gen Z coming into the workforce and wanting to drive an entire new revolution, which is linked to purpose and impact, not being able to bridge that divide and finally address that rift uh, is a really big missed opportunity, not only for organizations, frankly, but for society as a whole. I mean, I understand the, the, the need, obviously, to attract like, this, this younger generation. But um, beyond that, why, why should like, senior leaders pay attention to this topic? I think there's a number of reasons why this is becoming important. Number one, I think we're entering a new era. Anytime you have a new generation, Gen Z, the new kids on the block coming into the workforce, things are transforming. We all know every generation seeks to uh, solve uh, the problems of the past. The second thing is that for the first time in history, we have up to five generations working together. The other thing, obviously, is that um, you know the war for talent is far from over. You know, we're going to keep seeing more and more so organizations struggling to attract the talent that they need. And this need to upskill and reskill the workforce will continue to be critical. Well, the reality is, number one, you know, attracting, you know, people that fit your criteria and then losing them because you don't have a multi-generational workforce that works well together is a pity. But second of all, a lot of the skills that organizations need are already within the workforce. I mean, if we think about the incredible wealth of knowledge, institutional knowledge, experience and wisdom that a lot of the older generations can bring to the table, and if we couple that with the ambition, social mindedness and tech savviness and, and, and desire to do drive change of the young generations, everything that organizations need is pretty much already there. And then the other aspect, of course, is the great resignation. We're hearing about it all the time. The more I talk to organizations, the more they tell me, you know, I have especially two uh, segments of my workforce that are uh, disengaged. And those are predominantly, interestingly enough, the older generations, who especially after the whole COVID pandemic feel disengaged 
from their organization feel that their role is not really as strong anymore and feel disconnected from the young generations coming in who they know nothing about. And the other segment of the workforce that is disengaged and is resigning are the entry level, uh, the young talents who, you know, join in, you know, programs rushed through market that are remote, don't have an opportunity to bond with your colleagues, and as a result, don't feel that connection with the older employees. So basically, I mean, the ability to get, you know, these two segments and all the segments in between of the workforce to work together collaboratively is an incredible opportunity. And finally, I mean, if I may say so, Thomas, I think one thing that um, the pandemic has, has proved to us, and I think we can all agree on that, is that the challenges that we will be facing going forward, not only as businesses, but as a society, really cannot be addressed and solved through the traditional and hierarchical way of problem solving or doing business, but really only by combining, you know, the incredible wealth of experience and knowledge of the older generation with this ambition, drive and resilience and, and tech savviness and so on of the young ones. And for organizations really being able to capture uh, the unique and collective talent of uh, their employees through intergenerational collaboration will, in my opinion, really be the difference between, you know, merely surviving or prospering going forward. Yeah, no, I think I think it's super interesting. You know, maybe like a hundred years ago, it was perfectly normal for families that you had three, four generations under the same roof. That has changed, right? And now as people get older, right, they go into retirement homes or assisted living communities, right? But in the workplace, we're, we're kind of like absolutely the equivalent of that. Yeah, you're right. You know, and this is such a good point. If you think about it, uh, you know, as we grow up, we're actually completely discouraged from hanging out with people who are much older than or much younger to the point where in certain cultures more than other, it's literally creepy. You know, if you're a 14 year old hanging out with someone who's 20, that's weird. If you're 20 hanging out with somebody who's in their thirties, it's weird. And, uh, but then, and, and, and as a result of that, we grow up, you know, in classrooms in school and society segregated. And when we look at people that are older than ourselves, we see them either as authority figures or people that have priorities that are so different than our own that we don't even try to understand them. We just steer clear. Right. And then we join the workforce and all of a sudden, you know, here it is, you know, you guys are a great team. You're supposed to love each other, understand each other, work together, bond in and out of work, you know, understand how each other uh, is motivated, understand how each other is triggered, you know. And, and I mean, it's, it's just it's, it's an unrealistic expectation for, you know, an entire workforce of people that fundamentally don't know each other at all. You know, and, and as a result of that, when you look at the workplace, you have people that are, that are separated by silos, right? You have, you know, generations that tend to stick to themselves. And when they do uh, come together, it's usually through forced team bonding or other types of initiatives that don't really help. I think one of the things that, you know, really blew my mind, um, you know, in the last 16 years as I've been really studying generational uh, differences is the fact that generations don't get along, not because they have fundamental problems with one another, not because there's anything wrong with you know that we see in the generations beyond our own but actually what really surprised me was when i ask employees across organizations and across generations how much they really understand about the mind the, the forces that shape the mindsets and the behaviors of their generationally diverse colleagues 96 percent 
tells me that they know very little or nothing at all. <laughs> so all of a sudden, here I am having problems with behaviors and mindsets that fundamentally I do not understand. And so one of the examples that I always love to give is me as a Gen Xer, right? We know that now the new generations, they want authentic leadership. They want leaders who pour their heart out, who are empathic, who are honest about who they are, who are powerfully vulnerable, as I like to say. When I was growing up, I mean, I remember this advice my father gave me when I was entering the workforce, and that advice was, Rachel, this is the thing that's going to help you the most throughout your career. Never trust anybody at work, ever. Remember, it's all a competition. They're all after the same promotion. They're all after the boss's favors. You know, don't ever show who you really are. You know, play the part, you know, act the part and be the part all the time. Keep the personal personal and professional professional because anything personal you share will come back and bite you. And oh, the other thing that was interesting was it's always an interview. Don't be fooled. Even when they invite you to a social or you think that, you know, don't let your guard down. You're always being interviewed and no supposed friendship will save you from being kicked to the curb the day that you're no longer useful. So you can imagine how I entered the world of work and how I approached my colleague throughout, frankly, the first 20 years of my career. And then all of a sudden you start managing millennials and Gen Z who start expecting you to be yourself and who invite you to happy hour and want to sit down and have a drink with you. And of course, I always tended to steer clear of that of that opportunity because I wasn't comfortable, but the, the confirmation bias, you know, not knowing that context forced these, you know, millennial colleagues of mine to think, look at her. She's so self-important. She's a typical Gen X, you know, she's too independent. She's individualistic. She doesn't want to be part of the team. She thinks she's better than us. And the reality is that they didn't know I was absolutely terrified because I didn't know where the line blurred, where one thing ended and one began. And I was really uncomfortable with the idea that I would be sitting down joking with someone one day. And the next day I may have to give them, you know, criticism or, or you know, some type of constructive feedback regarding their, their work. Um, and actually it's interesting because I had some colleagues from years ago hearing this story and they called me up and said, now I get you. Now I understand. You weren't trying to be better than us. You were just you know, uncomfortable. So this is one of those clear examples, how very often, you know, we fall to the, okay, boomer, there you go, strawberry, you know, here's your self-important Gen X, just because in reality, we don't understand why we behave the way we do and why we react the way we do. So there's a humongous opportunity, if you ask me, for organizations to just create a basic level of understanding where at a minimum, <laughs> we understand why we are the way they are and you know, how the workplace was like when we entered the workforce, you know, how the parenting style that we were subjected to may have influenced our workplace leadership and many other things like that. Uh, first of all, I think right, your, your book does a great job in really making people comfortable and exposing them to different views. I think that knowledge also unlocks a lot of opportunities for learning. And, you know, in all these programs that I run, these uh, Generations Effective Together programs, I always say, you know, the six eyes of multi-generational workforce effectiveness and curiosity is one of them. You know, being able to actually sow interest towards realities that are different than your own. You know, perspective taking, the ability of seeing you know, things through the eyes of your multi-generational colleagues, you know, being sensible, understanding and having some level of mindfulness around how you may be perceived, but then also, you know, not taking things personally, 
you know, being able to understand that very often, you know, what we see as a behavior that goes against us is really not about us. Again, you know, my manager may not be promoting me quickly or may raise an eye when I talk about it, not because they don't like me and they don't think I deserve it, but because during their days, you know, it would take 10 years to get to that point and many other uh, uh, important attributes that I think we all should have. Uh, in order to be able to collaborate effectively. So what do you see some of the leading companies do in this space? What do the people do it really well, do differently than everybody else? You know, generational diversity or multi-generational workforce effectiveness today is what employer branding was, you know, 20, 25 years ago, right? If 20, 25 years ago, I would go to a company and say, hey, what's your employer branding strategy? The answer was like, oh, we don't really know employer branding. And then you would ask, okay, scrap that. Let me ask you a question. What are you doing to get potential employees excited about working for you? And then you would have companies say, oh, you know, we do, you know, a lot of cool things. You know, we go on campus and we have these events and we do this and we have that. And, and then I would tell them, well, these are all kind of employer branding strategies. You know, they're employer branding initiatives. But of course, nobody at the time, you know, really had uh, an umbrella uh, a strategy that, you know, you could define as, as, as employer branding. And I think generational diversity is very similar right now. If you go to companies and say, okay, well, what's your strategy around generational diversity? They'll look at you and say, well, I'm not so sure. But then when you ask them, you know, what are you doing? You know, what does this topic mean to you? And what are you doing to bring the different generations together? You'll find that, you know, there's a number of organizations that have a lot of really progressive uh, initiatives in place. A great example from my book as well is Group M where Group M in India, what they did is they realized, well, all the people that make the decisions at the top of our organization are people that are of a certain age. And, you know, since we are a media company, we need to be able to understand our consumers. However, there are too many bottlenecks and steps from, you know, between the executive committee and the young talent on the ground that is more in touch with these consumers. And so what they did, they decided to hit two birds with one stone and say, well, on top of that, if we want to be able to retain the best and brightest, we need to be able to give them exposure to leadership and to strategic projects. And so why don't we create a board of young talent that's been with the organization for no more than a year. And what we do is we make this board shadow the executive committee so that every project of strategic importance to the business is run by both and run by these new generations. And on top of that, the young generations get to reverse mentor the older ones on topics that they're interested in. And when you fast forward and you find out, you know, the impact that this has had on the organization, I mean, it brought an incredible amount of progress. Some talk about five years worth of innovation in one year. And in fact, many of their greatest programs, like the Group M Champions League, which was an incredible upskilling program, was actually launched by, you know, this WICO, this, this youth committee. So this is another example of what organizations are doing. And the third, I would say, is, uh, you know, putting together multi-generational teams. I mean, a lot of organizations can start small scale but if you get together a group of people that are from different generations you strip them of seniority you align them all be beyond you know behind a shared vision and you give them an opportunity to collaborate with one another not based on the years of experience but based on their expertise with the understanding that every single person in this team is an expert at what they're hired to do, um, people then start relying on each other based on each other's skills. So, for example, the young, you know, are great at coming up with simple solutions and using technology effectively. The older generations understand the business, can navigate roadblocks, can get stakeholder engagement. So when everybody's allowed to do what they're best at, um, I mean, that's really when the magic happens. So from a future work perspective, right, how do you see this playing out going forward? Gen Z is arrived in the workplace, and it certainly drives, I think, some 
some real changes as like, you know, how we might organize work, how we motivate people. And like, where do you see that sort of play out in the, in the long run? Despite all the disruption that COVID has brought, uh, and not to minimize that in any way, shape or form, but from a multi-generational workforce perspective, it's possibly one of the best things that could have happened. See, Thomas, the reason why generations don't understand each other and can't work together is because they are shaped by large scale events. And these large scale events typically impact them the most when they're in their formative years. So while they enter adulthood or while they join the workforce, and obviously for very obvious reasons, we can't all be experiencing those at the same time because some generations don't exist yet and some are past that stage. And so, you know, generations are never quite in the same place at the same time. But what happened with COVID-19 is comparable to Haley's comment. You know, it provided an unexpected and unprecedented scenario where every generation, um, you know, in the workforce across almost every geography experienced the same event at the same time. And so for the first time, generations are in the same place at the same time. And in fact, I was so excited to share the results from the post-pandemic multi-generational workplace study that showed that, you know, generations are more aligned than ever when it comes to the way they foresee, they see the future workplace they're very much aligned. Everybody wants to go hybrid, but not just that. The interesting thing is that the ones that are enjoying the hybrid model the most are the baby boomers who are the most resistant to actually working outside of the office. And the ones that actually tend to miss the office the most are actually the Gen Zs, the ones that, you know, the new generations that in the past would have been strong advocates for working remotely. So generations understand each other more than ever. But also when we look at, for example, the impact on the pandemic on their mental health, on their personal productivity, on, you know, their team collaboration, on the way that they see and understand one another. I seriously, for the first time in 16 years, Thomas, I was having a really hard time calling out generational differences because the data is just aligned everywhere. Not only that, but uh, when I ask um, the different generations, who do you think has it easy in today's environment, the young generations or the older generations, uh, the young generations will tell you in the past, the young generations would say, oh, the old generations have it easier. And the old generations will say, oh, the young generations have it easier. And for the first time, 69% of employees across generations agree that every generation has equal challenges and opportunities in the future of work. And this is really a big, big big win. The workplace going forward is going to be an incredible place if organizations are able to capitalize on the energy of this moment. Another thing that I think is extremely important, and you mentioned Gen Z, but Gen Z wants change. They are, you know, um, they feel that the world is in trouble. They feel that it's up to them to change things. We see it in how ethical consumers they are. We see them in all the movements they're starting from Black Lives Matters to, um, you know, a school strike for climate change and all these different things. So what they want is they want to be able to enter the workforce and they want to be able to make immediate contribution and they want to be able to uh, know uh, and be shown that what they're doing is actually contributing to something much bigger than themselves. Now, in the past, this would have been an issue where you have, you know, the young have the perception that they want to change things and create a new path with successful impact while the older generations want to follow the old path. But this actually is also something that is changed as a result of COVID. So for example, I was sharing this data the other day with um, 
uh, with the association for, for accounting. So I was looking at it from an accounting perspective, but even when I looked at it from all the other industry perspective, um, up to 49% of employees across generations say that the way that COVID has most impacted their relation with their employer is that they now absolutely seek a, broad, a bigger sense of purpose linked to their lives and to their careers. And this is the same the data is the same, whether you're a baby boomer, whether you're Gen X, whether you're a millennial or whether you're a Gen Z. So we're all in the same place now. We all share the same vision for what the future of work looks like, but we also share the same need to be able to identify and articulate our own personal ikigai, our own personal sense of, of purpose. So if you ask me, um, we're an incredible moment in history. Uh, we say in Italy, you know, strike the iron while it's hot. But basically, if organizations are capable of doing two things right now without waiting, right now is A, making sure that they capitalize on this genuine interest that generations have around each other and kind of common ground that they found in the COVID-19 pandemic to make sure they better understand one another, uh, number one. And number two, if they're able to actually create platforms to allow for this intergenerational collaboration, because unfortunately, while generations want to work together more than ever, they say that both the quality and the frequency of their interaction with other generations has declined significantly as a result of hybrid or remote work. So now there's all this desire to work together, but if we don't have the opportunity to do that because the teams are still too siloed, because we don't genuinely have an opportunity to collaborate, because there's no platform for that, well, that is going to be a real shame. And then what's going to happen is I think things are going to cool down and every generation is going to go back into their silo. And then we will miss out on an opportunity that, in my opinion, uh, is not only, you know, going to change the future of work, but it's going to change, you know, the very future of our societies as well. I, I completely agree. I think the pandemic really got us to understand that when it comes to work, we all fundamentally want the same thing, right? There's no real generational difference. I think the other uh, point that you're making, I think is really interesting because it really goes to how can managers like leverage this, this, this opportunity. I think there's a tremendous opportunity, I think, for people to, to reshape their organizations in light of the findings that, that you bring to the table. Whether that is like, you know, how do we create more diverse hiring practices to get different age groups in there? So I think there's a lot of opportunity there. A lot of opportunities. And you said something that actually is, 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 is spot on, Thomas. And uh, that is um, another thing that I've seen, and I think this is amazing, is in the past, generations wanted the same thing, which was, to be acknowledged by their employer, to be valued by their employer, and to be made able to contribute by their employer. Now, the only thing, and they all wanted it, right? That was a top reason for happiness in the workplace. What I see now is generations, more than ever, they want to be appreciated, able to contribute and valued, not just from their employer, but from one another. So actually, one in two employees across generations are quite intimidated by their role in a multi-generational workforce. And there is nothing more than they seek than the opportunity to be recognized for whatever it is that they can bring to the table to be seen, to be heard, and to be appreciated by their colleagues, by their generationally diverse colleagues. And that is where things have slightly shifted. Uh, you know, in the past with the hierarchical structure as a leader, you know, you didn't particularly care to be loved by people that were, you know, below you. And, and likewise, you know, you, you, you just needed to, to be productive from somebody who came from the bottom looking upwards. But now there's really a desire to, uh, 
to be united, to be seen, to be appreciated, uh, and to be able to work together uh, behind a shared vision or a shared goal. And, uh, and this is new. Um, so I think, again, huge opportunities for organizations. And I'm happy to, you know, speak for hours about all the different things that, you know, leaders and companies can do uh, to start um, creating and fostering a culture where they're fully capable of unleashing the full power of their human capital through intergenerational collaboration. Because I really do believe that intergenerational collaboration is the key to saving the world. Rachel, I, I wish you had written that book 25 years ago. I remember when I was like 25 and I was asked to lead a department and you know, everybody was like right, a generation older. I was scared right, every single day. So I, I wish right, that had been uh, out there a long time ago. But, uh, but regardless, I think, I think it's a tremendous resource. I think uh, really interesting work you've been doing and, and really appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me, Thomas. It was a real pleasure. And uh, yeah, thanks again for having me. We hope you enjoyed this discussion. If you did, be sure to subscribe, like, share, or comment. Until next time, let's make work matter.